Yeah, so I saw it yesterday and it's uh, it's really funny. It was great. Um, and I was wondering just how, with, with an American director uh, approaching Jane Austen, like how does uh, like an Irish production company like yours get involved in it? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I was lucky, I think. Um, Wit um, had um, become quite familiar with Ireland, actually, because his daughter was studying in Trinity College. Um, he's lived in Europe for a lot of his life. He first in Barcelona and now in Paris. Um, and so he had this um, Jane Austen project that he'd been writing kind of on spec himself while he was, you know, between other projects or trying to get other other bigger films off the ground. And um, I think it was uh, the film board at one stage knew that he was kind of coming over and they offered to do a few days of location recce. Um, and then he was also invited down to the Goy Film Flat. So actually the first time that I met him um, was down at the Goy Film Flat in 2010. Um, myself and Kieran, um, who's my business partner in Blinder Films, and we got on very well then. And he said he had this project in mind, but you know it was it was kind of early days. Um, so we kind of kept in touch. And any time he was in New York, actually at that point, any time I was in New York, I would get in touch with him. We would have a coffee, um, and then he went off and made Damsels in Distress. So I think it was kind of when he was coming to the end of in post production on Damsels that he was thinking again about trying to get um, Love and Friendship off the ground. And in 2013, he finally sent me a script and it went from there. Well, because that kind of leads on to, uh, I was going to ask about how we attract films to Ireland these days and like projects like this. I mean, it sounds like it was a, it was a lot of work put in in terms of um, like uh, networking at the film festivals or just sort of love, like what what is being done at the moment, I suppose, to just attract movies to shoot in Ireland. And like, what is it that Ireland has to offer as a location? Well, I think um, it has a number of things to offer. Definitely that, you know, that is true networking for the film industry in general, whether it's our own, like Irish, you know, whether it's our own films and Irish talent that we're trying to get financed, it's it's absolutely imperative that you kind of go and network and go to all the markets and try and um, raise money from other countries because we're not really able to fully finance a film unless it's extremely low budget in Ireland alone. Um, but for um, the Irish Film Board, definitely do great work in terms of like, trying to sell Ireland as a as a film location. And I suppose, you know, Whit would have been aware, we would have made him aware of, you know, other films, um, and particularly other Jane Austen films that would have shot in Ireland. And actually, initially, I mean, one of the things the Irish Film Board does is some recce support, early recce support for projects that are considering Ireland as a location. So Whit got a few days with the location manager and they took him around to some um, period locations and, and, and quite a few of those spots were things that, you know, he immediately saw and was like, well, this is definitely, I know that this film can work here. Um, and then I think in terms of what Ireland has to offer for, um, to entice production over here, you know, obviously English language, you know, so for English language films, um, American or, or UK, you know, we have that to offer, but also incredibly skilled crews and um, cast, and then obviously really good, you know, really good shooting locations and a, and a huge variety of shooting locations. But I think particularly for this period of um, an English set film, you know, obviously we have we have really really good locations to offer, and we filmed in um, a number of places for the film for Love and Friendship. We did um, we shot in Newbridge House. And then we also shot in Hoth Castle um, and around North Great Georgia Street. And we also used Westborough House. Uh, yeah, the, 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 I'd, I'd actually made a note of those locations because, I mean, the, the, the locations were quite good um, in the movie. And, I mean, I, I had a practical question about what it's like filming in these places and um, being sure you respect the, like, 
historical and physical integrity of the buildings when you when you have these film crews going in like is 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 there any advice for like how to shoot in locations like that or like to get permission and so on yeah well i mean we were fortunate we had a really amazing location manager in Colin Nolan, and we also had a really brilliant production designer Anna Rackard. and so you know and we did a lot of very early meetings with the location owners because obviously you know um when there's kind of you know historical um houses and you know antiques there you have to be extremely careful because a film crew as you know is upwards of you know 40 people so um we just i think it was kind of very early conversations and very clear plans in terms of what we what rooms that were you know out of bounds and then we just made sure that we cleared cleared away you know things that were kind of precious objects but actually in Hope Castle you know a lot of the um in one of the rooms in particular we we were able to use a lot of the furniture furnishings from the room um so I think it's just a very early dialogue and obviously very healthy production insurance in case anything goes wrong that we were lucky enough for that not to happen this movie also stands out because I suppose it's a Jane Austen adaptation, but I was, as I was watching it, I was thinking it was more like uh, Oscar Wilde. And then mm-hmm. when I was reading the press notes, uh, Wish made that comparison himself. Um, That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, it is kind of a find because it's, it's one of her lesser known novels. And um, would this be a, put it, like a, like a good approach for filmmakers to take to see um, what older novels there are that are out of copyright and like what's what, what what's a good way of sort of adapting them now for a modern audience? Well, I think I think Wit, you know, I think it was really brilliant, um, brilliantly spotted by Wit to um, adapt this novella. It's actually one of Jane Austen's very early works. It was um, it's in epistolary form, so it takes the form of letters. Um, and actually, he changed the title, so the the novel is actually called Lady Susan. Um, though Jane Austen did actually have another work called Love and Friendship, um, and he decided to take that title. Oh, that's confusing. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason the reason was actually so she had three novellas early in you know early in her career that were written in this form. Two of those she returned to, and one of them became Pride and Prejudice, and I believe the other one became Sense and Sensibility. But she never returned to Lady Susan, and um, so I guess that was, and actually she had um, set the title herself. It was her nephew that published it um, after Jane Austen had, had passed away and so I think Quit felt well maybe if she had returned to it herself she might have also retitled it and I think it kind of does open up um, you know it opens up the world a bit more in terms of all the range of characters in the film because it's a big range of characters that obviously centre around our, our lead character that is Lady Susan but I suppose maybe because it was in the form of letters it was um, possibly seen as something that would be very difficult to adapt to screen because obviously letters are you know it they the, by definition it means that the two characters are not in the same space but obviously for film you need to be able to kind of realize scenes and drama and action so i think it was actually an incredibly skillful adaptation on its part so so would a lot of the dialogue have been lifted directly from the letters in the format of the book yeah there was really a really quite a lot that Witt took from the um from the book he would have probably maybe made things more concise um there was a few characters that he um uh, invented well in particular mrs cross played, played by kelly campbell she was an invention that's the the friend who helps pack and unpack and that sort of thing and and the function of her was to you know to again it was trying to solve the problem of you know these letters so it was someone that lady susan could actually kind of communicate to um in, in and and make scenes you know come to life i guess I'm studying screenwriting lately and, um, you know, you know we, we spend a long time talking about the main character and having the audience invested in them. Uh, mm-hmm. Lady Susan is played re- very well by Kate Beckinsale and it's, it's very funny to watch her, but she is such a cow. And it's kind of like, um, it's um, what's the approach to the story where you can follow a character who's 
like really conniving and like not as like this definitely isn't like a sort of like moral it doesn't have a, like a moral point as much as austin's other work and the main character like does some pretty nasty things yet it's still sort of compelling to watch so like what, what do you think it is about the movie where it's kind of it's still enjoyable to watch well but but that's what i really really love about it i love that it's a film that doesn't actually hold judgments on women <laughs> yeah like on a woman who you know effectively i guess has her cake and, and eats it too you know she never gets her come up with, and actually you know you could say apart from um, the character of um, Lady Mannering, no one is really badly served by her actions. And I think Witt was very smart in his casting of the absolutely amazing Jen Murray in the role of Lady Mannering, because <laughs> I think obviously if we had someone in that role who couldn't do such an amazing comic turn, we might have felt extreme sympathy for them. And if we did, that probably might have, um, you know, given us a different opinion of Lady Susan. But I think uh, it was an interesting thing, actually, whenever we were trying to uh, get finance for the film and, you know, pitching it to people and having people read the script, certainly one of the comments that came back was, we're not going to like this character. But, you know, Kate, I think, just did such an amazing turn with her performance. And uh, I think Wit always knew that it's like if if we love her and we love her actions and her conniving, and, you know, we see that she does have a close friendship with one woman in her life, which is, you know, the character played by um, Chloe Sevigny, Mrs. Johnson, that hopefully we're going to, hopefully we're going to love her too. And I, and I certainly do. And I hope audiences do. Mm. No, well, like I loved uh, Chloe Sevigny, um in general, uh, I have a marriage proposal for her. If you can pass it on, I'd appreciate that. Um, in the, in the, her character in the and and she'd actually worked with Kate and Wit on a previous movie, so it's kind of like fun for them to sort get to work together again. I mean, was was there a good dynamic between them, like from the previous experience they had working together? Yeah, no, it was great. I mean, it was really, um, it was really amazing. I mean, Whit has worked with Chloe since on another project, which was The Cosmopolitans. And um, and actually on Last Days of Disco, which is the film you're referring to, their first film, um, he had written the role with Kate in mind, having seen her in a film that she did called Cold Comfort Farm. So um, I think it's absolutely brilliant that um, we were able to kind of get them back together again. And I think it was a really lovely and enjoyable reunion for, for them as well. But was the character Miss Johnson made American for the movie? Was uh, like um, was this so Savini could be cast, or was it because Wish had identified something? I was I was reading about in the press notes, which was that there were all these kind of American exiles immediately after the War yeah. of Independence who had sided with the British, and I was kind of thinking, yeah, yeah, I haven't seen much about that in in movies actually. So I mean, like, what 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 drew him to sort of exploring that? Yeah, no, that was exactly it. Yes. I mean, I think he. Um... You know, he, he finds he studied history, actually, in, in college. So I think he finds that extremely interesting. And also, I suppose he felt for an American audience, it would be quite fun to be able to get some some jokes in about uh, about people being scalped, etc. <laughs> <laughs> there was another thing in the press notes of the, I was looking over is just that uh, apparently the um, the scene where the character is confused about uh, Sir Martin is confused about the 12 <laughs> commandments rather than 10 commandments. Yeah. And it, was it your idea or was it a conversation that emerged that it would be a, a funnier spin on that say or um the, like where, where did that come from it was it was unwittingly my idea i hope i'm not as bad as sir james martin but um we had been shooting for quite a number of days so i was very very tired and uh, there's a lot of references to um the bible obviously in in the film and myself and wit were on set one morning um, and we were discussing a, a scene, and I and I happened to mention in uh, in conversation the Twelve Commandments. Obviously, immediately knew that I'd said the wrong thing, but which just exploded in laughter. It was just like that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Can I use this? And I was like, okay, of course. And then a few days later, this um, 
was absolutely hilarious but mortifying for me seeing came along and uh, I'm I'm proud to be immortalized somewhat in the film. The, the, the scene feels so organic to me. I assumed that this was a thing from the novella where it was like this guy was ditzy and got confused and uh, so, so I mean that works quite well I, I, I thought yeah. so. The thing is Tom Bennett is an absolutely he's just an incredible actor and I'm so I am so pleased for him because all, so many of the reviews have been like highlighting his performance and it's so well deserved he's an absolute genius like even when we did the read through it was um um tom couldn't make it over for the read through so we had him on skype on screen and always those things people are just getting to know each other and they're a little bit nervous and you know when he started doing his thing he literally came on skype with this incredible character and had the entire room absolutely in stitches and quit just was he's an amazing because he's a writer and director he's able to do this but like he literally would write new scenes he wrote i'd say three or four new scenes for sir james martin while we were shooting he'd get up really early in the morning and these pages would come through and one of them was the 12 commandments oh that's great and uh, again like like i was saying about kate beckinsale like she just she was just cast so well where an actor who otherwise could be quite annoying was like ends up being very enjoyable to watch and it was the same with tom bennett i thought like good Mm -hmm. Like with your role as a producer, would you often have creative input like that that directly affects what happens in the movie, or like is is it more of a organizational role, or or could you talk a bit about yeah. how that worked on this movie? Yeah, or? I mean, it it really varies, obviously, from from project to project. There's always some creative uh, input, you know, on a film like this with Wit. I mean, he is just such a um, singular filmmaker. He's the writer director. He has such a clear creative vision. So he'll always solicit feedback and we would always give it. But, you know, it's not it's not as needed as it might be in other scenarios. You know, in other scenarios, I'd be incredibly involved. It could even sometimes be coming up with an idea, bringing the writer on board and being very involved in, in you know, the scripting process or the casting process. So it really, I mean, I really enjoy that side of things. But I think it just, you know, it varies on a project-to-project basis. Obviously, with documentaries, you know, I did um, The Queen of Ireland with um, Connor Horgan. And on that, it was, you know, there was a huge collaboration, obviously, the whole way through in terms of the shaping of the story. And so it just, it depends on what the project needs. And, um, but, you know, and also, it's uh, it's hard managing your time sometimes because you're also completely involved in, you know, getting the finance closed and, you know, managing the budget and you know other crewing things so it's you can be pulled in so many different directions when you're producing uh would you recommend writers look for out of copyright uh works and see if there's anything they can adapt and bring a new spin to or yeah definitely i mean i think i think you know it's about finding material that you feel um has kind of you know has some resonance or hasn't been seen before and if you feel you can do something with it i think what's so surprising to so many people about this film is like apparently there's been i mean i've I've been learning myself through all the reviews there's been about 60 adaptations film and tv adaptations of jane austen's work so it's kind of amazing that this is like a new one that's added to the canon and by someone because wit is a massive jane austen fan and but also i think that it's a film that's actually you know it really feels very modern in some ways and also i think it feels like a very very guy friendly jane austen movie because it is so funny um so yeah i think it's it's brilliant that it's kind of adding you know adding something different but yeah definitely because there's such amazing writers out there such incredible stories it's a brilliant resource to mine for um budding writers i would say i wanted to just ask one more question because of the recent news stories about the department of the arts being combined with another department and mm-hmm. a lot a lot of creative uh, people in ireland took uh, exception to this and uh, like notably lenny abramson criticized the decision and he felt there was a sort of uh, i'm paraphrasing what he said but that just the idea that the government will pay lip service to the arts but then like at crucial moments where they could actually provide support 
they seem to fall short. Um, I, I was wondering, is, is does the Irish Film Board have a uh, take on this yet, or is, it, is there something they would like to see happen in terms of this uh, approach the government's taking? Well, obviously the Irish Film Board have... Um speaking as a board member you know the Irish Film Board have you know for since the cuts that we experienced in 2008 you know we've been calling for a restoration of funding to our you know the pre-crisis levels and um and I think that the argument that we have to make really strongly and I and I hope has started to be listened to um um because there has there were small increases in the last couple of years um back to the film board and I know you know in the program for government that has been you know, that has been um, explicitly stated that, you know, one of the things they're looking to do is increase funding to the Irish Film Board. Um, but is, you know, that the, the massive importance of the, the restoration of funding. I thought Liam Neeson was great when he spoke at the IFTAs about, you know, 12 million is, is seed funding, you know, and, and, and what Lenny was saying, which is really important, is that actually the fruits of the labour that we're seeing now were because of the time that we had the 20 million. So it would just be terrible if people were thinking, should they have 12 million now? They're doing brilliantly because it's such a long time it takes to develop people's careers and to develop projects. So I think that's really important. But I think that there's also a really necessary um, um, conversation to be had around the wider support of the arts. Um, so it's like, you know, even if the film board is getting increases, it's like it's important for the arts to be supported across the board. And when you look at the per GDP support for the arts um, in Europe against the EU average, it's like shockingly low. It's incredibly low, particularly as we're... A country and a culture that takes such massive pride in our artists you know and that our artists do um i would say proportionally incredibly well abroad so i think yeah so i think it has it's something that really needs to be um looked at and i hope it's taken very seriously and would a devoted government department for arts and communications help that or yeah i think it, i think that would be a, a terrific step yeah all right well we should uh, follow what's happening with that uh the, katie holly thank you very much for joining film ireland thank you and congratulations thanks very much